Welcome to Woodlawn. I'm so glad to see you today, and we want to welcome those worshiping with us online as well. We're always glad to have you, too. Now, we're in a series, and it's uh, five weeks. This is the fourth of five weeks, and it's about Joseph. And you probably saw in the announcements today that we're going to be having a meal at Sharkey's Restaurant after church. How many of you saw that? Okay, so, and we, recently we had a meal here uh, on campus, and we had all the services come. We used to have four services, B.C., before COVID. That's when we had that. And then after COVID, we have three services. So we had this lunch, and at my table, when we had lunch together, there was one person from the beach service, and there was one from the 9 o'clock, and there was one from the 1015. And that's what we wanted, because you don't get to know the other people in the other services, right? So today, we're going to go out to Sharky's, because we have a beach service out there. How many of you are going out to the beach service at Sharky's today to eat lunch? Because here's what's going to happen. The other two services are going to be there, and they're going to go, where's 1015? What's up with them? And they might just take a vote today and say, no more 1015. If they're not going to come eat with us, let's just exclude them. Let's leave them out. There are no representatives here from 1015 to speak up. How many of you made reservations? How many of you are going to eat my food that I reserved? (laughs) Well, I hope you will come because it's a chance for you to meet people. It worked at the last one. We were all at the table together and I knew all those folks and I was introducing them because that's just the kind of guy I am. You know what I'm saying? So today we're in the fourth of the five sermons on Joseph and we're going to look at that together. Now, what did we say? We said God gave Joseph a dream and then there were some character tests he had to go through to get ready for the destiny that God had for him. See, the dream and the destiny are two different things, right? And so God said, hey, I'm going to give you, and he gave him a couple of dreams, didn't he? But the destiny was something he was going to do for someone else. In fact, what did he do? Joseph fed the multitudes who would have died if he hadn't been there at that time, in that place, in that position where God placed him with the authority and the power to make all that stuff come together. God lifted him up and put him in that place. And he fed multitudes of people, including his own family, who would have died had he not been there. So you see how all that he went through in his life was preparation for his destiny. And so we talked about the different trials and tribulations and testing that we have. And all that is is there for a reason, is to get us ready for the destiny that God has for us. Now, the first week, we talked about the pride test. We all go through the pride test. If you get an award, somebody recognizes you, somebody brags on you, you know, you have to say, now, Lord, help me not to be too proud. Help me to deal with this. Joseph was proud. He was proud because God had given him dreams. He was proud because his father had given him a special coat. His brothers didn't have a coat like that. He wore the coat and the pride thing, and he talked to his brothers about his dreams. And that worked out really well for him, didn't it? Because they weren't too happy about that. They didn't like him anyway. And so now this is just another reason to get rid of him. 
And so then, because of that, he goes to the pit test. He was placed in a pit by his own brothers. He was sold into slavery because of it. And, you know, we've been in the pits before. We've gone through those experiences that are challenging and difficult for us. But all of that is a preparation for what God will do later on. Last week, we talked about the palace test, what it's like to be in the palace. How do you deal with life in the palace? What are you supposed to do? And he struggled with some of that, dealt with some of that. Different things happened. Today, we're going to talk about the pure test, okay? And next week, we're going to talk about the, I'll give you a little, a little teaser. Next week, what's the fifth point that we're going to talk about? The prison test. Yes, you know your, your Bible, you know about Joseph, the prison test. Okay, so let's look at Genesis and it says, Now Joseph was a handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. <clears throat> let's look at that phrase, longing eyes. The longing eyes, we're going to come back to that later on because that has a real role in impurity. And it says, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in the house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me, but you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So he's talking about sexual impurity. He's talking about a great wickedness. He's talking about sinning against God. He doesn't want to do that. But it says, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. This gal can't take no for an answer. She's working on this project. Day after day, she's saying, oh, come on, give in. Go ahead. And, and so what happens is that the enemy begins to use her to attack, and he wants to attack Joseph. And if you think about it, the enemy never gives us a day off, does he? He never says, okay, look, next Thursday, everything will be good. There'll be no temptations, no struggles, no opportunity for sin. Everything will go well. You won't talk back to anybody. You won't say anything bad about anybody. You can even drive in Panama City Beach. It'll all work out, really. Trust me, okay? You won't run into anybody. The traffic lights will all work. Everything will just be perfect. He doesn't do that. It says day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he ran outside. You see, in first Corinthians, it says, flee sexual immorality. Don't flirt flee, run away. That's what he did. And you need to run from it because it really is a trap and it will trap you up and cause you to fail in this whole area. Now, the first thing we're going to see as we walk through this four point outline is impurity affects your family. It's not just you, but it's your family as well. It'll affect your life. It will affect your children. It will affect your grandchildren. It will affect your family. And the way we know that is because of the story of David and Bathsheba and how they committed adultery together. In 2 Samuel, we read about it. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. 
Here's what happened. David's men were out fighting a battle. The soldiers had all gone. Normally, he went with them. Not this time. Nay, nay. He stayed home. He had some free time on his hands. He couldn't sleep. He got up and he looked down and he said, oh my goodness, there she is. And then that led to him getting in trouble. Now what happens is David falls and then the prophet confronts David and, and he repents of his sin because he knows he's messed up. But then, just following in chapters in 2 Samuel, what happens is David's children begin to fall as well. It says, after this, after what? After he had committed adultery. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister. Now, what I want you to see is it's going to say this, that he, he loved her. He loved the sister that he had there. Now, what you need to know is that Absalom and, and Tamar uh, were, were David's children from one mother. Amnon uh, lo over uh, loves Tamar, and David, Amnon's father, David is Amnon's father, but Amnon has a different mother from Absalom. So you see what it is basically is it's a half-sister, half-brother thing that's going on here, and he's interested in her. Now what happens is that this so-called love turns to lust. Because David, he had several wives because they did that back then. And they had a military alliance with somebody. And so he would marry a woman from that group of people. And that would keep them having peace together. So it goes on and it says this in scripture. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar uh, that he becomes sick and that she is for she is a virgin and it's improper for Amnon to do anything to her. And so it says almost like saying because she's a virgin it's improper and it is improper but that's not the real reason or the only reason. It's because the law explicitly states twice in Leviticus and Deuteronomy that you're not supposed to have a physical relationship with your half siblings. Okay that's not supposed to take place. Deuteronomy says cursed is is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. Pretty clear. And Absalom knew this, okay? He goes on and says, But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, and, uh, and the son of Shemiah. David's brother. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. It says, he said to him, why are you the king's son becoming thinner day by day after day? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Notice again, it says he loved her. Then it says, so Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed, pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar saying, go now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house and he was lying down and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. 
And she took the pan and placed them before him, but he refused to eat. And then Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. See, that's another no-no. You're not supposed to do that with someone other than your wife, and you're not supposed to be alone with that person, especially if you've got a crush on them or you're interested in them in that way. And so they all went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now, when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come and lie with me, my sister. In other words, let's sleep together. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me to do such a thing that should not be done in Israel. Do not be do this disgraceful thing. And where I could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold you from me. Now, I think that he probably did love her. He did have a crush on her. but And she may have been interested in him. Otherwise, she wouldn't have said, well, let's ask David and see what he says. Let's make this right, okay? We don't really know if David would have given consent, but he might have. Anyway, it goes on in Scripture and says, However, he would not heed her voice, and being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. And, of course, he raped her. And then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And so what we see here is that this so-called love turned to lust, and then that turned to hate. And he says, and Amnon said to her, arise and be gone. Because if you have love, you always have respect. If you don't have respect, then that's not love. Love and respect go together. And so it turned to lust, and he hated her exceedingly, and it was not love. Now, why is that? Because Satan is cruel, and Satan wants to ruin your life, and he definitely doesn't want you to fulfill God's destiny for your life. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your life. And he knows what sexual impurity will do in a relationship. And so that's just one of the methods he uses to get you out of sync with God. Amnon says to David, let my sister come and feed me from my bedroom, from her hand. And David could have seen through that, right? But David didn't notice it because David had an open door in his own life here because he had sinned with Bathsheba. And so he had a blind spot here. And sexual impurity will affect your family. Now, second, sexual impurity will affect your faith. Impurity affects your relationship with God because you have to get involved in deception to do that, sexual impurity. It says in James, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived and gives birth to sin, when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. 
So what he's saying is, when you get involved in sexual impurity, then that involves lies, and it involves manipulation, and it involves deception, and it involves living in a facade, having a facade in life. And it opens the door to so many things that lead to death. And so he's saying, please avoid that. God doesn't do that because he doesn't want us to have fun. He does that because he knows it leads to death. And when you have an impure relationship, what happens is that it goes south. It's not what you want. But now what happens is people do that because of the adrenaline rush. And so if they don't have that adrenaline rush, then they get involved in sneaking around so that they will have an adrenaline rush to do that. And so what happens is that they start looking around at other people. And so they don't really work out well. And what happens then is a man will flirt and talk to someone else and then have to cover it up, right? Because it's doing something that God never intended us to do. Now, if you ask men, what are your needs? What's number one? Men will say sex, one or two, somewhere right up there close. Women, you ask them, they're going to say it's emotional. I need an emotional attachment to the person. So if you ask a man what your need, he's going to say sex. And if you ask a woman, well, what number is sex for you? They're going to say it's number 13 right after gardening. That's what they're going to say. <laughs> now, I didn't always know that. I, I, was, I was kind of sheltered. I, I lived a, a, a life that was kind of close to the... But, but here's what I learned. I read this. I read about a survey that was saying... This happened years ago. I told this to the church I was serving. There was this survey, and they asked these women this question. Would you give up having sex for a whole year for a whole new wardrobe? And they said, yes. <laughs> yes. So I went to the women on the staff of the church. And I said, hey, according to this survey, is that true? Is that real? And they went, well, duh. <laughs> yeah. And so I told that to the church. And, and then uh, I, I got through preaching and I went to the door and I was shaking hands with people. And this lady came out and she looked at me and she said, we just got back from vacation. We were down in Gulf Shores. We spent a whole week down there. And I bought a whole new wardrobe. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking to myself, this is the last lady in the church that I expected to say that because this lady was older and she was quiet and she was kind of shy. At least I thought she was shy until that day I got to know her a little bit better. And she had this big grin on her face and her eyes were sparkling and she was thinking about that new wardrobe and she was so happy. Her husband was behind her. He was not so happy <laughs> as he was leaving that day. And so one of the things that I want to talk to God about when I get to heaven is, can you explain this to me, how we're out of sync in this area? I'm not sure I understand it. Because women need emotional security, and they need emotional attention. And if they don't get it from their spouse, and they go to work, and somebody at work gives it to them, then they're going to be in trouble there, right? So what happens? Let's go to the man now. The man starts sneaking around because he gets that adrenaline rush, and that's what he's looking for. And so he assumes associates that with feelings of love, but it's really not about love. It's about lust. Now, there was a sad story that happened. This really happened at another church I served years and years ago. This wife came to see me. She and her husband had young children, 
And they'd been married a little while, but not that long. I mean, but their children were elementary school age. And she said, my husband wanted to go to these wife swapping things together. And I put him off and I put him off and I didn't want to go. And I tried to talk him out of it. And he kept pushing me and pushing me. And so finally I went. And she said, and, and I didn't want to go back. And I kept talking to him about it. I said, we can't do this. This is wrong. And then it wasn't too long after that, after I met with her and she talked to me, I watched from a distance. And that man left his wife. And that woman that he was with left her husband. And then the two of them got together and they got married. And then they were just very happy together. And I thought to myself, I wonder how long that will last. I wonder how long it'll be before she kicks him to the curb or, or he cheats on her because, you know, it came in such a way that it, it wasn't from God and, and it's not going to work. And so they're just going to continue to do that. And I think about that. And it was they didn't have to sneak around anymore. So now they're just going to move on to something else, someone else. The third thing we see is that impurity affects your future. In, in Proverbs, Solomon is talking about this immoral woman, and she's talking to this guy, and she's saying, come and sleep with me. And it says in Proverbs 7, come, let us take our fill of love until morning. And by the way, it's not love, it's lust, because they don't even know each other that well. It says, let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day, okay? And with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. And immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost him his life. Because here's what happens when you fall into this kind of impurity, then, then you're falling out of the destiny that God wants you to have. He's saying, look, there is a life and there is something better than this. And I'm not saying that you can't get back into that destiny. I'm just saying that if you don't change your ways, you're not going to follow God's destiny. And it could cost you the life that God wanted you to have. Number four, impurity begins with the eyes. It's not in the heart, it's in the eyes. Because what happens is you see something and you want it and you start thinking about how can I get that? I want to have that. That's something that I want in my life. And then you begin to pursue it. It says in Genesis, his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Those longing eyes, she's looking at him and she's going, I want to sleep with him. In Matthew, it says this, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman uh, to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I want you to keep that scripture up there for just a moment because I want you to look at it. What you see there is adultery and you see lust and you see look and you see how that all ties together. And basically what we need to see is he's saying, guard your eyes. It, it's not saying you can't have a conversation with somebody. It's saying just be careful what you look at and how you look and what you're looking for. Let me say it another way. One person says, well, if you take a second look, that's lust. The other person says, not for me because I'm going to take 
take one long look the first time, okay? So that doesn't really apply to them. But you realize that looking is what causes the problem. And you know, with the internet today, a lot of people get tied up in pornography, and then they realize it's wrong, but they don't know how to quit. And people say, I've got a problem with lust, and I'm doing something that I shouldn't do. And so what do I do? Well, it's real simple. You just, like any other sin, you confess. You turn to God and ask him to forgive you. Now, here's what I want you to hear. If your husband comes to you and he tells you he's struggling with that, he's not telling you that he's not attracted to you, and he's not telling you that he has a problem loving you. He's telling you, I have an appetite that's unhealthy, and I need your help to get over it because we need to struggle together for this to work. Here's what happens. The enemy likes to get us isolated and he likes to operate in darkness. And if we don't have anybody else holding us accountable, then that's where we get into trouble. And so we need that. If we're not married, we need another friend to help us in that area to deal with that so we've got accountability. And so Joseph is saying, how could I do this great sin, this great wickedness? I can't do that. And so what am I going to do? You confess and you repent and you ask God to forgive you and you move forward and you go further in life the way God has called you to go. And I promise you, you'll never fulfill God's destiny for your life unless you pass the purity test. And I don't want you to feel condemned because we've all struggled in this area. We're all human. But I hope that you've given some reasons today that I've talked about for sexual impurity for something to avoid in your life. Let's pray together. As we start to pray, I want to ask you just to close your eyes. And for a moment, I want you to ask God some questions. And then I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I just pray you would hear this. You know, ask God, Lord, what do you want to say to me today from this message? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to change with your help? What is it that you're calling me to act upon? What's going on in my life right now or what's about to go on in my life right now that I need to avoid and I need to go in a different direction? Which one of these points really is the key point and it really spoke to me? What is it, Lord, that you want me to hear? And then, Lord, we just pray that we would hear from you today, that you would tell us, you know, from this message, what is it that we need to hear, each one individually? And then, Lord, I pray that not only would we hear it, but I pray that we would take hold of it, that we would embrace it, that we would not let it go. I pray that you would make us so miserable that we would have to turn to you for help because we can't live this way anymore. I pray for victory, and I pray for help to overcome. I pray for someone to come alongside and and to give uh, accountability. I pray, Lord, that you might accomplish your purposes, not just for us as individuals, But think about all the people that we impact that our destiny will have a future for, that it could change the lives of other folks. And so, Lord, today, this heavy message, the the message we don't really want to hear, but the one we need so desperately, I pray that we'll hear it, we'll embrace it, and with your help and the help of those who are the body of Christ around us, we will see victory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's children said,